What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. How you doing this morning? Uh, it's good to see everybody out this morning. Got a good looking crowd. Uh, we have a couple of other people that may or may not be here this morning. So, uh, But I thank you all for being here this morning. We're going to start a brand new series today, as you just saw, called The Perfect Gift. And it's that time of year again, isn't it? We all reading some of the comments up there. Any of y'all ever studying that stuff to yourself? Is Christmas already? Let the shopping begin, right? We get so caught up in the hustle and bustle and buying the perfect gift for everybody that sometimes we tend to forget the reason we actually celebrate this season. And it's not about the gifts. It's not about Santa Claus or any of that stuff. It all started years ago when a baby was born in a manger. So over the next five weeks, we're going to be discussing that baby and where he came from. We're going to talk about the prophecies, a couple of them from the Old Testament. We're not going to get to look at everything, obviously, but we're going to take a look at some of the highlights. And we're going to be focusing on some of the people that were involved in that process coming to pass. And we're going to begin today with Abraham. And we're going to be talking about him. We're going to go way back. So uh, before we begin, I want to go ahead and introduce myself to those of you listening online right now. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church. I thank you for tuning. Once again, I want to encourage you, if you're able to get out and do, I just want to encourage you to come out and join us next time. I mean, we're glad you're tuning online. But come out and join us. Be a part of what God is doing in Jackson, Missouri. So we're beginning a brand new series. And I just kind of did that big introduction, so I'm not going to do it again. But it's called The Perfect Gift. Any y'all ever get caught up in asking yourself that question this time of year is, who do I got to buy for? What do I got to get? What do you buy for that person? How do you do it? And, you know, some of us, we just give them money. This is, a lot of people, that's what they want, right? They just want the money. But we get so caught up in the commercial side of things, I think, that a lot of times we forget. It didn't start with all of that. It started on a cold winter night when a baby, God himself, came in the flesh was wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger, and we'll get to that point. But today I want to talk about Abraham and kind of talk about this first guy. But before we get to him, I want to go ahead and give you our key passage, which actually begins way back in Genesis chapter 3. What had happened, I'm kind of going to give you a, a brief idea of the story, and we've talked about it a little bit uh, for over the past several weeks. We've kind of hit on Adam and Eve a little bit, but it all started in a garden, and man had this thing that was going good. And all of a sudden, they messed up. They ate the wrong fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. And because of that mess up, the rest of us catch it. Now, some people will say, well, why should I pay for their mistakes? Well, let me just say, if you had been in the garden, you would have done the same thing. Because our natural human nature is to figure out, is there something more? Is there something I'm missing out on? So what happened was, though, right after they fell, God's handing out punishments, right? And it gets down to the serpent. And God gives us the very first prophecy in Scripture 
of the Messiah. Now check it out. Here it is. We're going to start in the verse right above it. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. This is our key passage for this entire series. It says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. And your belly, on your belly, you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, just asking right now that you begin to speak your words through me, God. Don't let them be my own, Lord. May your words come across this microphone, that it would touch those who are listening, God. I pray that your will is accomplished here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's our key passage. How many of y'all didn't know that, I mean, you read over it, but you didn't realize, hey, that's the first passage of the Messiah. This is God beginning his redemption plan. Because man has messed up. They broke that relationship. So now there's a separation there. But God loves us too much to allow that separation to continue. So what he did is he began offering a redemption plan. Now the Bible tells us this redemption plan was set in place before the beginning of the world. Before this world was even created, he knew we weren't going to be able to hold up to our end of the bargain. So he already had it in place. But here is a first shadowing in Scripture that it's talking about. And it's actually in verse 15 there. We started with the serpent. Let me just, I'm not going to meddle too much, Bob, but y'all ever wonder? I mean, a lot of times we'll hear it's a good thing that, oh, the devil came in the form of a serpent. But do you realize that in this passage, God punishes the serpent? He doesn't say, devil, here, this is your punishment. Lucifer, here is your punishment. He punishes the serpent. Now, this is something that's not going to be answered in Scripture. So it's just a question I've always had. Maybe you've been thinking the same thing. Was the serpent already a deceptive creature before all this happened? Because what happened is he put the serpent on his belly. So even if Satan possessed that serpent and made him do that, the, the, the animal is the one that got punished for it. So I wonder if that deception was always there in the serpent. Now, if you don't like snakes... You can see where that's at. I'm one of those. I don't really care for snakes a whole lot. So, but if you're a snake lover, God bless you. It's just not me. But, uh, so the serpent gets punished, but right after that, he makes the promise. And this promise is directed directly at the devil himself. God says, here's what I'm going to do. And if you notice, there's capital letters in some of that, and there's not in others. It says, and I will put enmity or strife or between you and the woman. You guys aren't going to like each other very much. But he said, and between your seed, now notice it's the lowercase. And then he says, and her seed, and it's capitalized. Because it's referring to the Messiah. And when the Messiah is referred to in the scriptures, most of the time, it is capitalized. And he shall, once again capital, he shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. So he's kind of referring there. He's talking about Jesus, obviously. And he's saying he's going to crush your head, but he's saying you'll bruise his heel. In other words, he's going to have to die in order for this to take place. But once he raises from the dead, it's all done deal for you, buddy. And God was telling this to Satan. Now, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to kind of divide it this way. There's some things here at Next Level Freedom Church that we're all about. One is called the Great Commandment. The other is called the Great Commission. Now, most people are already familiar with the Great Commission. The Great Commission we're going to say for the last three weeks. But these first two weeks, I want to go ahead and take a look at the great commandment. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. And it reads like this. Teacher, 
which is the great commandment in the law? See, the Pharisees are trying to test Jesus again. So here's Jesus' response. They're trying to get and see what, what law he's going to tell them. Well, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, here it is, the great commandment. You ready? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments hang on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus has said, okay, there's two things going on here. And if you actually take, we won't do this in this series, but if you take a look at the Ten Commandments, both of those are covered in the Ten Commandments. You've got love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the first four commandments in the Ten Commandments. The last five to ten talk about us loving our neighbor as ourselves. But today, here's the part I want to key in on. Matthew 22, 37 is where we're going to kind of hang today and kind of base everything around. It's where he said, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Translating that for you is today's topic. We're going to be talking about worship. When we come and we worship God, whether it's in singing or in your own time, I have a lot of good worship times in my car driving to work or anytime. And don't close your eyes if you're doing that, please, for the rest of us. But <laughs> some of the smiles, this lets me know y'all are still alive out there. I'm just kidding. But if you're driving to work, sometimes I have my best worship sessions just right there in the car. So it doesn't necessarily just pertain to music. It pertains to you loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that is today's topic is worship. And we're going to take a look at Abraham and just see how his life reflects that worship. All right. Now, obviously, in this short time that we have on a Sunday morning, I'm not going to be able to hit all of Abraham's story. All right. It's too much. There's a whole bunch of scripture. But I want to do want to do is hit on the highlights of the promise for the covenant that God had that he established through Abraham. Now, remember, you've got your Adam and Eve back in the garden. And you've gotten through some flood, which was Noah. And then you've gotten to the Tower of Babel, which is where God scattered us all over the world. And now we're to a man named Abraham, or Abram, I'm sorry. His name started as Abram. We're going to take a look at what that name means. And then look at the transition when we get to it. It says in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, is where we're going to be starting this morning. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country. From your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Verse 2 says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Now verse 3 is even cool. Check this out. It says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him that curses you. Now here's the cool part. He says, and all the families and in you, I'm sorry, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Guess who he's referring to there? Once again, it's that Messiah, the promise that I've got that's coming, that's going to restore this relationship. So number one in your points, if you're taking notes, the first one is worship begins with hearing the call. Abraham wasn't anything special, or Abram, sorry. Abram wasn't anything special. He was a guy. Now, one tradition suggests 
that his family actually was involved with creating idols and worshiping the false idols and all that stuff. But Abram had something different about him. There was something God noticed about Abram that was different. Now check out what his name means. Abram. The name Abram means a high father, father of height, the exalted father, high and lofty thinker, high or honored father. The part you might want to catch that I maybe God was looking at when he looked at Abram. Because remember, back then when they named their kids, there was a purpose behind that name. It wasn't just a name that they threw out there. Kind of like us today, you look through a book, you pick a name, and that's what you name your kid. No, no, there was a purpose behind the names. So the thing I caught there, though, in that name was he's a lofty thinker. He's thinking outside the box. Is there something more? Now, one tradition suggests that, yeah, his family was, and I say tradition because it's not in the Bible. It's a tradition that's been brought to us through the years. We don't really know because the Bible doesn't tell us any of those details. But one tradition suggests that his family was involved with that thing, that kind of stuff. But he had something different about him. And God chose him. And he said, get out of your country. How many of y'all have ever heard that call? And when you hear the call of God, you never go back. Because once you've heard that call, your life will never be the same. If God speaks to you and he speaks to you directly, I myself have had that kind of an experience. I've talked to other people. But once it happens, whenever it happens and you hear the call, now sometimes we'll try, but you never can get it out of your head because you know who's talking to you. John 4, 23 to 24 says, and this is right after Jesus is talking to the woman at the well that he talks to. And we're just going to check out the end here. It says, the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such, a, such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So when we're worshiping, and I hope, and I can't, you know, I can't judge for you. But when we're worshiping on a Sunday morning, in this case, I'm talking about music. Because like I said, it's not the only way to worship. I hope that you're taking that time. We're going to talk about more parts of worship to actually worship the Father. We're going to talk more about it here in a second. But the thing you need to catch is, Abraham, Abram's name means high father, but he's also a lofty thinker. He's an honored father. He's a father of height. He's the exalted father. That's what his name means right now. Now, here's the catcher. Abram is 75 years old, has no kids, and... This is what his name means. But let's get to the call. Let's get to the call. Moving on. Genesis 12, 4 and 5, where we left off. It says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram, here it is, was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that had that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. The second thing in your notes there, if you're taking notes, worship takes commitment. It's not something you can just have to. It takes a commitment on your part. So first, we've got to hear the call. We've got to hear that call when God talks to us. That's kind of when you've got that relationship with him, he'll call, he'll talk to you. But it's going to take commitment as well. It's not something you're just going to be able to half do. So worship takes commitment. Now check it out. It just introduced his wife's name here in the passage. And it says her name was Sarai. Sarai, here's what her name means. And I want to show you what these names happen when they actually get changed. I want to show you what this is. So Sarai means contentious, quarrelsome, a ruler, and a princess. 
And when you hear a name like Quarrelsome, <laughs> that tells you a little bit about the character, right? Maybe they like to argue a lot. Now, this remember, this is before. This is before anything's happened yet. Because God changes their name, and we're going to get to that. But So that's what her name means. So Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now check it out. Remember we said he's 75 years old. Because if you imagine being called by God to leave your country, you've already, you already settled. You're 75 years old. Now y'all are looking at Y'all ain't getting it. You're 75 years old. This is not the time to begin a whole new promise, right? Most of us, we've retired. We've shut things down. We're ready. We're just going to live out our retirement days where we're familiar, right? 75 years old. I keep saying that because y'all are still staring at me like, you're not getting this. 75. Y'all got it? If you got it, say got it. He was 75, right? Okay, so he's an old man. And God's calling him out. Now, here's what I did here a couple weeks ago. Remember, I mentioned I got a series coming up later on in May. We're going to be talking about the definition of humility, but I couldn't wait that long, right? So we're talking about worship takes commitment. Can I give you the real definition and a good definition of humility? Now, if you look it up on the internet, it's going to say not thinking of yourself higher than you should be, right? But check this out. Because this society will tell us that humility is the opposite of bragging, right? You're not lifting yourself up too high. But let me just tell you, that's not a good definition of humility. Let me just show you what... And this author, his name is Jeff Org. He's a pastor and he's also an author. And he does a lot of leadership type things. The book is Character of Leadership. Here's what he had to say about humility. And I liked it ever since I studied it in school. I wrote it down and I've had it ever since. He says, humility is appropriate self-appraisal, seeing yourself as God sees you. Oh, but it goes on. Humility is adopting God's perspective on who you are and what you are assigned to do. Y'all have heard me say over and over, as I say a lot here at the church, that we've all got a purpose in life. Once we figure out that purpose, it's time to start gunning for whatever it is that God's trying to get us to do. We start working towards that purpose. But So humility is basically obeying what God has told you to do. Instead of thinking yourself lower, no, it's not that. It's, you, it's appropriate self-appraisal. So it's not bragging. Don't get it twisted. What it is is recognizing God's perspective on who you are and what you are assigned to do. So knowing who you are and acting in that. So if God has called you, and I've said this before, I don't know if it's been at church or not. If God's called you to be an evangelist, guess what? You're an evangelist. If God's called you to be a prophet, guess what? You're a prophet. If God's called you to be a pastor, guess what? You're a pastor. Any gift God has given you, whatever God has called you to do, let me encourage you this morning. No one can take that gift away from you except yourself. If you're not walking out what God has told you to do, and you're not walking in your purpose, then the only one to blame is yourself. Because God's waiting on you. Now that hurt, right? Some of that, that stings a little bit. But God's waiting on you to get where you're assigned to be. To be who you're assigned to be. So that he can change this world. That's what we're about. 
reaching others where they're at. That's our vision statement here at Next Level Freedom Church. It's about other people. It's about us getting where God has called us to be so that we can make a difference just like Abram here is going to make a difference in this world. Now, the catcher, we'll get to it in a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Genesis 13, we're jumping to the next chapter. Remember I said I'm not going to be able to hit everything. Genesis 13, 1-2 says, Then Abram went up from Egypt, and he had his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Check out verse 2. Now this is going to mess with a lot of religious people, alright? This is the Bible, though. This isn't me talking. Check it out. It says, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Y'all, you know what? I looked up the word rich, and you know what it means? He was rich. How many of y'all have ever ran into those people that tell you, oh, well, if you're really working for God, mm, mm -mm, you can't have all this stuff. Now, I, I want to argue the difference. Now, I believe God wants us to prosper in our lives. Now, whether that's with money, whether that's spiritually, I believe that if we're in what God has called us to be, we can be, money is only a part of being rich. Y'all got to get that. Money is not everything with rich. Money is walking, or money is just part of it. Spiritually, you can be rich as well. But don't walk around beating yourself up saying, God doesn't want me to have money, because that's a lie. Don't believe it. What he says is, it's harder for rich people to get to heaven, because you've got possessions. And in America, we've got a lot of that. We're going to do that whole different series way down the road, where we're going to talk about what it really means to be rich, and that's not anywhere in the near future. But I just wanted to point that out, because I, I ran into those people... That just sort of, if you're going to be a Christian, you got to be poor. That's a lie. That's not what God says. But see, at the end of the day, it's not about how much money you have. If God blesses you with money, then it's your job to use that to invest into his kingdom. God has given you gifts, whether it's administrative, maybe you're an entrepreneur, and God has given you ideas for a business. He wants you to get into that gift. Now, see, I just messed up some people. Y'all don't even have to send me emails because I'll tell you what happens to bad emails that are just mouthing. They get deleted and thrown away. So, moving on. Genesis 13, 8 through 11. It says, so Abram, so we just basically jumped down a few verses. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we are brethren. Verse 9 says, is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. Point number three in your notes. Worship takes separation. You've got to separate your stuff, yourself from all the distractions that are going to come your way. What has happened at this point, here's another definite. Abram was rich, y'all. Don't let anybody tell you different. He had enough to split it between him and Lot. See, what happened is when you notice when Lot left, Haran... He didn't have anything. He went with Abram. But by the time see, he's been with him a while, he's developed his own stuff. Just being around the man of God can get you a blessing. So God, so there's so much going on here that they had to split because what happened is their herdmen were fighting and their sheep were, they were fighting over the pasture and all that stuff. And I don't have time to get into all that. But what happened is Abram had to say, hey, you know what? We need to separate because we're brothers. I don't need all this strife and argument. Let's just separate. You go one way, I'll go the other. Now, if you read the scripture here, Lot chose the part that had the green grass and all that. And Abram kind of went towards the looking desert. There wasn't much there. But when Abram went, there's more to the story. I can't get into all of it, y'all. Psalm 139 says, in verses 23 to 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Guess what? The only way you can get to this point in your spirit is if you have separated yourself from stuff. Some of you, that means cutting some ties with some friends that you thought were your friends. But they keep pulling you down. They keep pulling you back from where God's trying to get you to go. They keep, you know, you don't, you don't need to be around people that are all constantly putting you down. They're not really your friend if that's what they're doing. We tell our kids that when they're growing up. But it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my anxieties. And if there is any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. You've got to be able to separate in order to move to the next level of freedom that we're always talking about here. Moving on, Genesis 15. Now, I know I'm going kind of fast. I hope you're getting it because we got a lot to get through. And I can't, once again, get through the whole story. But you jump through some years. Here is Abram. They've already left the country of Haran. The guy is getting, I don't, it doesn't say how old he is till the next part. But he's already was 75 when he left. It's been years now. Now check it out. Genesis 15, 1 to 5 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. My guess is he was starting to doubt a little bit. God, are you, are you really with me? It's been years. Now check it out. Here's his response though. Abram, I am your shield. Your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, here it is. You ready? Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Any of you ever felt like that? God calls you to do something. You, you get in it. You start doing whatever. You, and it takes time, right? It takes time to make some good wine. It takes time to bake a cake. All those ingredients got to be in place. You got to set yourself up. So this is the part where a lot of us give up because we don't like the waiting period. But God needs to make you and mold you at this point. So it takes time. So Abram's basically saying, look, you promised me all this, but I don't even have a kid yet. Are you sure? Maybe, maybe just someone in my house can have a kid. They're in my house so they can be considered. Now check out God's response there as we move on. Verse 4 says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. The one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Can we talk a second? Now, if you read on, we ain't going to get to the passages today. When he was about 85 years old, that's when Sarah approached him, or Sarai approached him with this idea, hey, take my handmaiden. He says it's going to come from your flesh. Maybe she's thinking, hey, necessarily mean me, but he's coming from your flesh. So let's make this happen. So what happens is it's been 10 years. They've been out there wandering in the desert, right? So all of a sudden, they come up with this idea that they can do it themselves, right? So now she offers her handmaiden. Abram gets with the handmaiden. They have a kid. His name's Ishmael. And when he is 86 years old, Ishmael's born to him. Eleven years later, right? So what happened was Abram tried to take matters in his own hand. Now, don't get too down on Abram because we all have done the same thing. We get to the point where maybe we have to help God along. You know, God's told me to do this. I know he has. Maybe we have to help him along. No, 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 no. God says, in this, in that process, I don't have time for the whole story, but in that process, after Ishmael is born, when he is 99 years old, God comes to him again. Now, what's that? That's another 13 years, 14 years. 
before God comes to him again. And he talks to him and he said, no, 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 no. The one I'm going to send to be your heir is going to come from your wife and you's bloodline. Because at this point, Abram, Abram is kind of like, well, let Ishmael live before you. Because he's like, I'm old. I'm old, all right? I'm 99. 99, y'all. Some people, I think you read the Bible, but you just read over this stuff. He's 99 years old. Y'all imagine at 99 years old starting a family? It's crazy, isn't it? All right. So now you kind of see where Abram's at. He's like, well, I had this kid 13 years, 14 years ago, and his name was Ishmael. Let him rule it. And God says, no, 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 no. And here's what he says there. So in that process, I guess I go ahead and right before he talks to, in Genesis 17, 19, we're going to be there in just a second. Right before he says that, though, he changes his name. We don't have time to look at all that for the sake of time. But Abram's name is now changed to Abraham. Now check out what Abraham means. Father of a multitude. Wow. He's not just a high father anymore. He's not just a lofty thinker. He's the father of a multitude. Now check it out. Father of a great multitude. Father of mercy. And father of many nations. He's 99 years old, y'all. He's sitting there like, I haven't had any kids yet. Let Ishmael go before you. God says, no, 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 no. That's not the plan. He says, now check it out what he said. God said, and this is on down right past that. Because he changes. Let me, let me do the other name change. Sarah or Sarai. Remember in that quarrelsome, right? She, she probably liked to start trouble. I don't know. But that's what her name meant. But then God changes her name to Sarah. Sarah means princess, chieftainess, noble woman. Wow, we went from quarrelsome to a noble woman. Now check it out. So it also the root meaning in the word or the name Sarah is that she's a princess, she's a noble lady. And the second one is to lead or to fight, a ruler. Now think about this. 99 years old. Abram says, let Ishmael go before you. Here's what God says, chapter 17, Genesis 17, verse 19. He says, then God said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. 99 years old. Did I say that? Anybody catching it yet? 99 years old. Sarah will bear you a son. That puts her at 89, y'all. Just saying. 89 years old. There's a 10-year difference between the two. And he said, you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Now, we'll fast forwarding a little bit more. Abram ends up being 100 years old when Isaac's born. 100. Sarah is 90 years old. So guess what that also means? Abram left Haran when he was 75. It's been 25 years since God made the promise to Abraham and said, you're going to bear a seed, and through him, all nations and all people are going to be blessed. Now, if you can think about that through their eyes, that sounds a little crazy. Genesis 22, jumping on down. we got to fast forward. I'm trying to get this thing wrapped up. Genesis 22, 1-2 says, Now it came to pass, and this is after Isaac's been born, all right? Isaac's born. He's the promised son that God had promised Abraham all those years ago. 25 years ago, he said, hey, you're going to have a kid. When he was 100 years old, 25 years later, how many of y'all think 25 years is a long time to wait, right? When God's offered you a promise? How many of y'all ever caught yourself getting frustrated in that waiting time? 25 years. But anyway, moving on. Andy was old. Check it out. It came to pass after these things, after Isaac's been born, that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, 
And Abraham said, I, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Why have I been beating up this age thing for a while? It's been 25 years. He finally has a kid. The kid's growing up a little bit. This is years later now. And now God's asking him to sacrifice that kid. That takes faith to follow something like that, right? Now, I want you to notice something else, though. When Abram left Haran, God didn't tell him where he was going. He just said, take your family, get out to a land I will show you. No direction. Wives, if your husband came to you and said, God has told me that we are to move and go somewhere. He didn't even know where you were going. How many of y'all look at him like, you are crazy. You have lost your mind. There's no way we're packing up. We're 75 years old. We're not leaving. Yet Sarah had that faith too because she went with her husband. Now check it out. But at this point, God has taken that promised son and he's wanting him to sacrifice that son. Somewhere, once again, in the land of Moriah. He didn't say where. He said, go there and to a mountain I'm going to show you and offer your son. How many of y'all like, God, give me a GPS. Let me know where you want me to end up first, right? God gives you a plan. He gives you a promise. You don't see where you're headed. Anybody? I'm not quiet this morning. Y'all still awake this morning? You, you don't have a direction. Where are we going? God, come on. Write it down. Give me something. Tell me where it's at. Now that God says, just go. Trust me, I'm going to show you when you get there. Have y'all ever got in your car and just started driving because God told you to drive? You didn't know where you were going and you ended up wherever it was God was telling you to go. That's happened to me a few times. I'm not going to lie. God said, get your car and drive. I'm going to show you where I need you to go. And I had that prayer meeting. At the end, I knew it was going to be a prayer meeting at the end. Uh, so I just got in the car, drove, and I said, wherever I ended up. How many of y'all are planners? You like stuff planned out. If you're going on vacation, you want to know where you're going, what you're going to do when you're there, right? Come on, y'all. Anybody ever been on vacation? You've been on vacation. All right, so if you're on vacation, you kind of want that planned out, right? See, this is where vacation becomes, you know, kind of like... Uh, it comes that you need a vacation from vacation when you get home because you plan so much on your vacation. See, I love those kind of vacations. You don't plan anything. You just kind of go. When you get there, you decide what you're going to do when you get there. Now, some of you that drive, that's just your personality. No big deal. But check it out. So worship takes sacrifice. That's point number four. Worship takes sacrifice. He's asking him to sacrifice his son, Isaac, the one he just promised him that he was going to give him. 100 years old, he finally came into the picture. Now you want me to do what? How many of y'all at that point would have started rebuking the devil, right? Y'all are quiet. Anybody? At that point, God said, okay, this thing I promised you, I need you to go kill it. What? Can you say that again, God? I did all this. I left my home country. I ended up who knows where, but here I am. I've done this. I was 100 years old. You finally gave me 25 years after you told me. You gave me that son you told me it was going to be. And you're asking me to do what? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, but come on. We would have been thinking, are you sure? That's why I said some of you would have been rebuking the devil right there, right? But God was testing Abraham. He wasn't really going to have to sacrifice him. Check out what Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 and 19 says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. 
And he who had received the promise, promises offered up his only begotten son. It's talking about Abraham there. Whom, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. 19, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now, with that last part, man, in a figurative sense, Abram was old. He was old when all this was going on. He was about to die anyway, and God blessed him with a son. But did you check out verse 19? Concluding that God was able to raise him up. So he thought, you know what? God promised me this kid, and if God's telling me to sacrifice him, he's going to bring him back from the dead as soon as I'm done with this. That's the kind of faith Abram, or Abraham at this point, had in the God he served. Hebrews 11, continuing on, verses, or wait, jumping back a few verses, I'm sorry. Hebrews 11, 8 to 13 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to the place which he would receive, at, which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. We just talked about that. Verse 9, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder, builder and maker is God. By faith, verse 11, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Verse 12, therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, once again talking about his age, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable, innumerable, as the sand which is on the seashore. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They never saw it. Abraham, God called, a seed. He never saw the multitudes. But by faith, he was able to look from afar off and say, this is the promise God's given me. Whether I'm dead or here, it's still going to be fulfilled. And the multitudes came. So see, verse, our number five point, worship is about plugging into the vine. Who is the vine? Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. At the end of the day, even though they never saw that promise come to pass, they never saw the multitudes. He saw Isaac, he saw Jacob for a little bit, maybe some of Jacob's kids, I don't know. But if you look at the ages, you can figure that out. But he never saw multitudes, but he believed what God told him, and he left. And because of that faith that he had in that God, the promise one, not necessarily just referring to Isaac, the future baby that we're getting ready to celebrate here at Christmas, was going to be able to be born. Because guess what? It was from Abraham's seed. The guy that had no kids at first. It was from his seed that the Messiah was born. We're getting ready to close. Linda, can you come up here and start playing? I want to talk to y'all for just a minute. Y'all can go ahead and stand where you're at. Give you a chance to stretch those legs out. Today we kind of hit on a lot. I know we kind of crammed all of Abraham's story 
in this short 30-minute time period, which is kind of tough to do, but we hit the highlights. I hope you were able to grab something out of that, because what happened is there were lots of people before Jesus the Messiah came who were already a part of that plan that God had in place. And without them being in their place at their time when God needed them to do what they were called to do, future generations wouldn't have been blessed. See, Abram could have just sat there in Haran and not left and ignored that voice. And it's possible there wouldn't have been no redemption plan. But God saw something in Abram, at that point Abram, that said, this man's going to listen to me. If I call him, he's going to go out and he's just going to trust me. Now, if you start reading that story, I hope today you were able to read more of the story, not just reading over. Oh, that's a cool thing. Think about what he would have been thinking. See, I kind of read the Bible a little bit different than everybody else. I like to get in the character's head. What in the world was that person thinking? What was Abram thinking? He just did it. Some of you guys told today to do something big. And he's waiting. He says, are you going to make a move? Or are we just going to sit here and wait? Because he'll wait as long as it takes for you to move but he's trying to get you to some place. Next Level Freedom Church, our vision and our mission, we're going somewhere. It doesn't stop here at the Jackson Civic Center. We're trying to bless a community. It's not even about a church per se. It's about a community of believers that are working together to see God's promises be fulfilled in the lives of people that have no hope. Abram was willing to leave everything he knew to follow God's plan. And because of that, you're able to be saved today if you've ever accepted that gift of salvation. If not, we're going to go over that right now. Because I never want to close the service without giving the opportunity for someone to be saved. If you're sitting out there and you're looking at me, whether you're here or you're out there, and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it's a simple prayer. The Bible talks about repenting, which means make a 180 with your life. It's an old military term. It means about face. It means turn, go a different direction. God calls us to that. We've got to repent and change our lives around. But you say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose in the third day. Become, becoming victorious over death. That I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. It's not even about those particular words. The Bible says if you believe Jesus died and he rose again, you shall be saved. You've got to receive that gift. So if that's you out there, you prayed that for the first time, maybe, or if you're here and want to know about it, if you're online, Hit us up. Go to our contact page at our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. There's a contact page. It goes directly to my email, which is trentcruz at yahoo.com. It sends me a direct email. If you prayed that prayer of salvation, I want to know about it. So send me an email. Your next step, and you hear me say it every week, is baptism. It didn't stop with you being saved. You now have to be baptized so that you can follow in Jesus' footsteps. If you've already hit salvation and baptism, then your next step is becoming a part of a fellowship, whether it's here at Next Level Freedom Church or somewhere else. If you're trying to join here at Next Level Freedom Church, that next step is called Growth Track. We go through Growth Track classes. There's three classes. 
The first two are an hour and a half. The last one's about a half an hour. We teach you the vision of the church. We teach you the basics of Christianity. We teach you how to go deeper in your prayer time, your Bible time. It's all about discipleship training. Then the third week, we talk about how you can get involved, how you can start using your gifts to make a difference in God's kingdom. Because God wants to use you to make a difference. If you're tuning online, I want to thank you for tuning. God bless. Next week, we're going to continue this study. We're going to be talking about David. So I hope you'll join us then. Until then, God bless. We'll see you next week.